Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's not, I buy this property because it's got depreciation. And that's coming from the depreciation guy who'd like you to do depreciation schedules, of course. Um, but but to me, um, it's a cash flow piece. Now, what am I going to do? I'm going to assess it as part of that decision, not make my decision based on that. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode on Property Investory, we continue the conversation with Bradley Beer. He will share the foundations of his strategy for manufacturing equity. You'll also hear how the depreciation guy reinvested his way to attaining wealth and what the new federal budget changes means for you as a property investor. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. So, what held Beer back from initially investing into property? There's a few things that you could sort of do and they're probably the simple things that most investors have a problem with and you know, getting finance again is always potentially a problem when when the mortgage insurer doesn't want to mortgage insure you anymore. Oh, really? You got uh, to that point? Yes. Wow. Tell Both us about that story. How that happened? <laughs> uh, that, 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 when all that, what that does, I think if you get to that stage, you're probably at a stage where it's not necessary, but my, my mentality of making sure I always borrow as much cash as properly so I can keep going um, means that that you know, if you don't have the cash, you can't renovate. You can't put the next deposit on, etc. Um, you know, the the that there's there's points there where you can get slow. And when banks clamp on lending money, uh, that like all, all those type of things do make it a little bit harder. I got through those things. You can work around those things with. I mean, the numbers are the numbers, right? So if it's a bit hard to get the money, you've got to make sure you can get the money. You've got to find the property that you can afford to buy with what you can borrow. Um, you know, you know. In the same time of growing a property portfolio, I've I've had a fairly main intricate part in driving a business from the first staff member to 200 staff completely organically to be by far the largest depreciation business in the country. <laughs> um, in between that, I've got married, I've had two kids, and I've got a third on the way. Congratulations! Um, you know, time. <laughs> yeah, time is definitely uh, a factor. But um, in saying that, I've been married for twelve years, and my kids are, you know, one and two. So it's not that I didn't. I, it's I didn't have kids till a little bit older, and my wife travelled with me a lot, and so she's very supportive um, of, of the things that we were doing. And there's times there where she was 
getting in and renovating, you know, um, and, and having some fun, you know. I'd come home in my suit and she'd come home with paint all over her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the, the things that hold back a time, the ability to get finance and, 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 and I guess not being scared, if you'd learn enough about the risks and how to cover them, the risks um, are, are not as bad in some respects. But you've got to do that, and then you've got to make yourself jump in and go again. Um, but once you get a fair few under the belt, it, it becomes a little bit easier. <laughs> With this experience, also comes further knowledge from other resources. For the whole time, I'm at property um, investment seminars. I'm at real estate and accounting group things that they're put on. I'm educating on depreciation, and I'm listening to everybody else at the same time uh, and picking up tips. The information he learned from these resources was valuable advice that he extracted from many different people. My business partners who I originally that probably gave me that bit of prod and they were sort of going to seminars as well and learning and we talk about it all the time. Um, the, the best thing was the three of us independently um, having these discussions, learning from what we'd done um, was, was fantastic and and. I wouldn't say there was one particular mentor that I um, worked with, but I would listen to, and I think sometimes it's a good thing to do. A lot of people go to one property seminar, and I guess one benefit is I've gone to them and I haven't had to pay every time because I'm a speaker, right? (laughs) I listen to the rest. I pick up pieces out of all of those and really develop my own strategy on how to do that because I think... Um, one thing that's important to those is about the transparency and disclosure about what they're doing, firstly. Um, what is in it for them? Are they just educating? Is there a particular product they're pushing? I would, I would ask all those questions of myself before I listen to one in particular. And I also think that no one has every answer exactly right. And what's right for you might be something that's um, a combination of all of those. And to me, I think I'm a combination of the different people I've spent time with over time. Uh, and anyone that is invested in property that I talk to that I can learn something from, I'm still very, very open to do that now. So I don't think it's one, I think it's a number. When considering books which you would recommend to read to aid you in your property journey, be advises to first gauge that the author knows what they're talking about. The, the best piece of advice almost and the, the books to me is is every book on property investing you can find <laughs> and you should read them all. Uh, I, I read a number of them. I actually did my final uh, work on um, uh, at university on depreciation and tax legislation changes in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and and in, as part of that process, I think I bought every property investment book that existed just about. Um, but I would say reading, reading whatever is there, um, preferably by authors who've actually done it and still hold it um, and, and understand that and, and actually pulling pieces out of all of those to formulate what what suits you and your situation because I don't, once again, I mean, what I do with a property investment book these days is I probably pick it up, I flip straight, straight to the depreciation section and find out whether they know what they're talking about and I probably judge the rest of the book based on that because even if they're not experts at it, if they're going to write something about it, they should get the expert advice and the right stuff. If they can't do that, I don't believe anything else. <laughs> um, so... So, and I mean, that maybe that's a good place to start with something that you do have a good understanding in or you know about, 
find their opinion on that and what they have to write about that. And I mean, that could be a good gauge on how to find, because that's how I gauge them because I am a specialist in that area. If you write something wrong in there, I'm going to question everything else you write. You should be able to get the right advice around that because it is a specialist area. Now you do need around you as an investor, your expert team of people that, that, that do things like the appropriate accountant, the, the, the good quantity surveyor for depreciation, of course. Uh, and, and these people that write these books also need that around them. Uh, they don't. Um, they don't. They need the experts in these areas and should give people advice on those books appropriately. Beer's property investing strategy has evolved as his situation has changed over time. However, the underlying principle has always been manufacturing equity. Um, especially in early days. I needed to grow some some uh, some capital base or some some equity in order to continue to invest into property. So I was I would buy things, you know. You're looking at the the not so good house in the better street, or the not or the even worse house in the not so good street <laughs> that's near near the street with the good houses because they're able to be bought sometimes. Uh, but I'd be looking for places where I could manufacture some equity, and I would I, I've got a, quite a few. You find these old places where you've got some massive laundry out the back that isn't really that necessary these days where I can turn two-bedroom houses into three-bedroom houses. I can do kitchens and bathrooms if I can or even simpler renovations and make these properties better to live in, look nicer, spend some dollars, get in, revalue uh, the property, refinance the property, rent the property out and get out again. And when I say get out, I hold the properties. Um, I'm not a flipper. I think that the costs on the way in and out um, often make that really hard to do. Um, and the capital growth happens over time if you choose the area that's got some growth. So it's not just about manufacturing the, the, the equity. It's also about buying something that has the opportunity to grow into the, into the future at the same time, produce the cash flow on the way at the same time as well. And so I've got a lot of individual houses on blocks. I then went looking into things where I could do some development. Um, I've built some houses on the rear of houses. I've got a couple more that I've got to just get my act into gear and build on the back of houses. I bought, uh, um, so they've been DA'd and my DA's nearly ran out, which I had to get them started so I could still build them. Things like that have gone on. Um, I, you know, bought some I just finished building, um, or me and a partner just building a block of 12 units about a few months ago, which I've um, we've retained half of them each um, on a couple of houses that I think I bought about 10 years ago with him. Uh, to, um, but you know, we bought them from a developer, sort of you know, late GFC, where they were sort of forced to develop, where the houses actually stacked as OK investments, and the benefit is that it could be potentially developed later. And we actually went through and actually did that. So um, the strategy's changed into things that probably have a you know, and really that once again is manufacturing equity through small development. It's just been done on a bigger scale, as I guess um, as the time's gone on. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into how Beer's expertise in depreciation has helped him build his own portfolio. There's tax deductions that so many investors don't take advantage of properly, firstly. And as a renovator, there's quite a substantial additional amount of tax deductions in scrapping when you renovate. What you need to think about regarding the changes in the federal budget? It changes the number for an investor, but it doesn't change the mentality of what you should do as an investor regarding depreciation schedules. 
and that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. With Beer's expertise in depreciation, it has also helped him to grow his portfolio. However, even the depreciation guy doesn't believe in buying a property based solely on that. So you buy it, you rent it for a period of time and then you rip all these things out potentially that may have some value and you might get some quite substantial deductions for the things that you throw away. You put the new things in, you start depreciating the new things over time. Um, depreciation guy is one of the experts beside you that's necessary. I mean, when you crunch your numbers at the start on what you're buying and why you're buying it, depreciation is one of those numbers you should know before then. So many people buy depreciation schedule off and median time is about 10 months after settlement. Uh, That to me shows a lack of crunching numbers first a lot of the time because you should have known. And when they're calling us and saying, I need one of your thingies because my accountant said so, it makes me concerned about the investor (laughs) a little bit. Um, Well, it's not too late. It's it's you should have known about this through your education, reading the books, working out and crunching your numbers before you bought it, is, is my opinion. With this obvious lack of education and understanding about depreciation in the market, B believes it is important to make a start. There's even an app to help you out. No, they don't need to actually do the schedule then. So, look, some of them do this, just not as many as should. But um, you can very easily get an indication of how much those deductions are going to be before you do the property. We, we provide an estimate of how much deduction we expect for free. So you can do, in crunching your numbers, um, we've got a calculator on the website that's also an app that people can use. Uh, but after that, look, you, you, you've you used that, it's come up with a number, you want a bit of a second check, You just flick us the photos, we'll have a look, have a look at what you've done on the calculator and just have our own look at it and give an indication of what the numbers potentially should be. Every investor before they buy something should probably have done that <laughs> um, at the time. And then in crunching those numbers, we built, look, we built another app called PropCalc uh, that, that actually helps you to crunch the rest of those numbers as well. Once again, that one's free. It's actually attached um, to a different business that we own called homesales.com. Uh, but you can you can just go into the app store and get PropCalc and it'll crunch some numbers for you or help you to crunch some numbers and drag some of those depreciation numbers in there. To summarize, it's all about ensuring that it's done beforehand. Make sure it's done. Make sure it's done properly on your properties. Um, don't think your accountant just looks after it. Make sure it's done properly. The accountant we work with most of the time. But the key points are get an estimate before you do it so you know what the numbers are going to look like. Have an understanding sometimes. And look, you don't have to have this. An understanding of what it actually means to you in cash flow, what it actually means so you can actually crunch these numbers. Make sure it's done. Make sure it's done before you renovate, update it after you renovate. You can update these things automatically sometimes online through our things these days. Um, but 
but just make sure it's done for. Because once you've done it as an investor the first time, you don't we, you don't have to do it again next year or anything. It's only if you renovate or change things that things change. So you know the key points are there <laughs> before you. There's a certain number that's claimable each year. Make sure you're getting it. We help to sort out the rest of it. To gain insight into the changes of the federal budget regarding depreciation in the market, Beer explains it. So in the federal budget in May, they've they've uh, and they're just it was passed through the House of Reps yesterday. Actually, I was listening to the very interesting question time and reading time. <laughs> um, so it's actually not passed as legislation yet, but uh, my suggestion would be that it will uh, be through the House of Reps. It has to go to the Senate, which we expect to happen not too far away. Before the end of the year, we should see the final. But what I expect that fine to look like is the fact that if you buy a secondhand property now, um, your plant and equipment, which is the things like carpets, hot water services, stoves, blinds and curtains, will no longer be able to depreciate it in a secondhand property that's bought after that date. Prior to that, you did get some deductions out of those. In the future, you won't. Um, what you still get is the claim against the structure of the building, which is 2.5% of the construction cost, based on the construction date of the building as to whether or not you can claim it. It, um, it does mean a bit of a lesser deduction for people that are buying second-hand properties um, and some really old properties that used to get some deductions won't get some deductions. But I guess the fundamental... Um, I mean, the changes to me are about getting are about an integrity issue, but they're going well beyond that because secondhand, a secondhand stove that's only 12 months old should get a deduction for the rest of its effective life because that's how it's all based on. But politicians tend to do things a little bit differently to what really should be done or what is normal. Sometimes would be my latest opinion. Um, however, I, I think the fundamental things for an investor with those changes is that. If you get an estimate of how much deduction might be there for a particular property, which doesn't cost you anything to do, you know what those numbers are. Those numbers might be a bit less. And when you're crunching that cash flow, it's a different number um, that it costs you to hold that property each week. Worrying about what the changes are as the investor, uh, well, learn enough to know that a second-hand property is going to get less than it would in the past. Um, And then get a number from us and put it into your cash flows and you'll be able to actually see what that number really is. Um, to me, the changes are uh, doesn't really change. It changes the number for an investor, but it doesn't change the mentality of what you should do as an investor regarding depreciation schedules. So, what personal habits have contributed to Beer's personal success? If you, you if you don't have if you're thinking about you're going to invest in property, if you don't have a pre-approval for some, for some monies, don't even bother looking. <laughs> Almost. Um, Finance as you can, being finance ready is something that's a major key necessity. And as soon as you are ready once that, I think your team of professionals around you, I have my solicitor, I go, look, I ask for a contract, he expects the contract there to see it, etc. Um, and and to look at that and sit and run through if there's anything I need to know about that contract. Um, you know, finance ready is probably almost the number one. Continually learning and educating is number two and, and your team around you to help you with the, with the, with the expert parts that you need um, would be probably number three. If he met his past self from 10 years ago, what would he say? I think, uh, you know, 10 years ago, um, heavily into my property investing journey, uh, heavily into my business, 
I almost say 20 years ago, I'd say read some, I'd say read some more books <laughs> or 15 years ago, read some more books, learn some more and apply across the board some of those things that I've learned since. Um, and, and look, don't have fear. Um, it would be the, probably the other thing. Um, th there was definitely those times where you have a bit of fear about what you're going to do. Yes, you need to be controlled and don't make stupid decisions. Um, but, you know, read more books, learn about the risks and learn how to cover them. Um, and, and, and it can be done investing in property. Um, so, and, and, and I still try to do that now, absolutely. Now, Beer is most excited about the opportunities that have been presented by a more modern way of thinking such as the concept of rent vesting. The fact that I hold a lot of properties and part of the strategy has been to hold them because of growth and look, I wouldn't say the next five years, a lot of areas are going to be the, the best of growth forever but I, I can look at my portfolio and I know what sort of growth I need on different properties to cover any shortfall that might be on that particular property but most of my properties sort of have pretty good cash flow now because of, you know, I've owned them for periods of time and made them better. But I mean, I should be pretty excited about the fact that I actually hold the property and it's got some potential for growth, yes. Um, but even if I looked back and said I didn't own the amount of property I do, I think that the exciting thing to me is that in this country, Australia, there's always opportunity. Housing is more expensive now and it's hard to get into the market, the place you want to live, but rent vesting is a very valid opportunity for you to actually get into markets in this country and it can be done. You've just got to, once again, buy the book, read, learn and help so you can actually get into that property ladder. So uh, there's always opportunities, whether it's for me or for someone else. Talking of rent vesting, B has an ample experience of using the concept himself and it's obviously paid off. When I say the greatest rent vesters, the, the, the fact is I, you know, I've, I've got a large portfolio of properties and, 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 and I didn't buy one to live in until the last two years. Uh, <laughs> um, I, there is definitely no, there was def it definitely be, wasn't because I couldn't afford to, it was because I could rent a fantastic property in a fantastic spot and go and buy five others <laughs> um, for, the, for the value of that kind of, of the type of things or whatever the number is. I think it probably was about that. And look, I was getting three times as much rent out of those properties uh, than what I was paying for the place I was renting. I had tax deductibility of the, the interest on those properties. I had ability to renovate, grow equity and do the things and grow this portfolio. If I had went and bought the house or the place to live in, it would have slowed me down substantially for a number of years because of cash flow reasons and non-deductible debt. Um, uh, and, and I chose to keep doing that. And when you get into more expensive property to rent, its returns are usually quite ordinary or bad. And someone who's sitting there sitting off the back of looking for the tax deduction and look, they're looking for the growth. And in properties I've rented, I've seen that they have made a lot of money out of those from a growth perspective, but I couldn't have bought it or it could have been the only one and all my eggs are in one basket. And also, I think the top end, if I look at the GFC-type worlds, when, the, when, the, when, the, when it hurts, the top end sort of hurts the hardest and probably hurts the longest. Um, the, the lower mid to lower end of the market, people still have to live somewhere. And if you can't afford the real expensive one, you move to one slightly cheaper, right? Um, so I haven't had a real problem over that whole time across the whole, whole portfolio with lack of ability to rent them out where the really expensive property, if no one can afford it, it's a little bit harder to do that. So I've been renting those while, uh, while growing a portfolio on the side. 
That's great. Um, and it's been a great way to grow equity. If you'd like to connect with B and learn more from him about depreciation or anything you've heard in this episode, you can reach out to him through his email or website. Sure. Look, the website's uh, pretty easy, bmtqs.com.au uh, and you can find my, my mobile number may not be on there, It's not, but it's not hidden. Um, you can get to my email address and send me emails and ask questions. Uh, love to look at the depreciation schedules obviously, but you know, I don't mind talking to investors now and then about investing. It's kind of good fun. Uh, so, easy to, easy to find me there. Google, Google my name finds me pretty easy as well. Thank you to Bradley Beer, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Bradley Beer and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.